0: Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon for all those on the east coast, and on the west coast, I think it's 11 o'clock, and in the central region of the United States, uh, there's the beginning of the afternoon, or you're in the early parts of the afternoon, my name is Kennard, I am your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, This program is for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who view the words of God as sweet as honey or even sweeter than honey, who take the words of God seriously. For those who do that, this program is for you. Now, as I've been doing for several months on this program, because world conditions are getting really bad, I am addressing certain things that uh, you need to know to prepare for tough times. Uh, Based on Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36, um, I will turn to that now to help you to understand what Christ told us to do in these prophesied times that we're living in now. I'm going to read this in the New American Standard Version Bible. Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 34, tells us to be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. What day? Well, the day of his return, uh, which has a lot to do with the great tribulation that has to occur first before he comes back, based on... um, Matthew chapter 24, and this chapter too, Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, verse 35, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. And verse 36, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. that's the reason why I'm going over this information now, because we are certainly living in these times, as I was discussing last night with uh, a group that I gather with. uh, And I found out that in 1938, the Germans had the technology uh, to develop a, a nuclear bomb, but in 1945, it was detonated. And so in 1945, We have been living in dangerous times since August 6th of 1945. The president at that time, President Harriet Truman, stated that we have tapped into the power of the universe through being able to manipulate and control the power of the atom, which, of course, makes up the nuclear bomb, the most important part of the nuclear bomb. Today, currently, we have nuclear bombs pointed at us by russia perhaps china as well and then of course we have nuclear bombs pointed at those countries Uh, i know we have it pointed at russia and if if there's a mistake by either party uh we could be into a nuclear world war three immediately so yah or god has miraculously held things up because he's not ready for this to occur um as stated by the prophet Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. I'm reading this in the New American Standard Bible Version. Daniel chapter 7. I'm trying to find the scripture where it says that this beast will break the earth into pieces. Daniel 7, verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast. which is a geopolitical system that is already in its genesis right before our eyes. Uh, The United Nations definitely will have something to do with this geopolitical beast. Uh, Islam will have something to do with it uh, because the United Nations involves all nations, including the Islamic nations. Verse 23, Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth and will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth Tread it, and, tread it down and crush it. And the King James Version states, let me look at the King James Version here, it states, break it in pieces. So <laughs> what weapons do we have today to break the earth into pieces, folks? Of course, I think most people with a sense of common sense know that we have nuclear bombs. We have other bombs, but the nuclear bombs is what will break the earth into pieces. So God has prophesied through the prophet Daniel that that's where we're headed, folks. We're headed that way. And Isaiah chapter 24, Isaiah chapter 24, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read this in the New American Standard Bible version again. Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste, devastates it, distorts its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. That's where we're going. And as I'm going to explain today, the reason why we're going this way is because most of us don't obey the entire laws of God. It always goes back to that. Verse 2, and the people will be like the priest, the servant like his master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, and the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. Verse 3, the earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers. The world fades and withers. The exalted of the people of the earth fade away. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants. For they transgressed the laws. Violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Verse 6. Verse 6. Therefore a curse devours the earth, and those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore... The inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. This is where this is a prophecy, and this will occur if we continue to do in verse 5 what God states here. It says, The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenants. And the laws that he's talking about is his laws. It certainly isn't ours, because our laws are not like God's laws in the sense of bringing peace, because we don't have peace in this world. And we don't have peace because we don't keep the entire laws of God. And and that's, that's important for you to understand that. Uh, there's a cause for every effect. And if we don't understand that, um, we're going to continue to do what we're doing here i to kind of typed this website in here. just coming to my mind here to make a point. Okay, I think it's, it's a website that if you type in your, your zip code, you'd be able to tell all the pollutants in your environment, deadly pollutants that you're breathing right now or being around. Let's see. I need a scorecard.org. And say scorecard.com, but anyway, I'll, I'll find his website here in the future. But it's a—it's it's really a good website to go to to be able to understand basically uh, all the pollutants in the area that exist, um, and to see that this prophecy is true about all the pollutants that we have uh, in the environment. And it's just uh, here we go, right here. I found it. Uh, it's scorecard.goodguide.com. That's scorecard.goodguide.com. Again, the scorecard, period, good guide, period, C-O-M. And it's called the Scorecard the Pollution Information Site. And if you just type in your zip code, you'll get a report of all the deadly pollutants or the pollutants that uh, break down the human body and causes these diseases that we get Um it it's just horrendous and this all these these companies, these manuf these companies that produce uh products and in, in in their factories and so forth, how it's polluting the environment. So I, I really implore you, uh review this website and it just confirms Isaiah chapter twenty four, uh, about the world or the earth being defiled and a lot of it has to do with the pollution that uh the Industrial Revolution back in the 1800s uh, spawned uh, with the invention of the steamboat. And then we, from there, got into manufacturing and then we stopped farming and then the creation of grocery stores and, and everything else. where people are depending on the grocery stores instead of their growing their own food and, and, and cutting up their own meat and so forth. We depend on the grocery stores for that. And we've been doing it for over 200 years now, since the 1800s. So let's understand that uh, we're living in, in real serious times here, and and we can't continue to have our head in the sand. Get your head out of the sand, and pay attention to what I have to say. Okay. Economic Collapse, I've told quite a few of you uh, that um, you need to pay attention to this website. This is an excellent website, and you should go to it frequently. And it has a lot of information about, and factual information. Just reading the uh, tabs here at the top of the uh, website, it has unemployment information. It has information about the bankers, the elite that control the world, Economic or economic despair, Federal Reserve, many people don't understand what the Federal Reserve is, the whole game of the Federal Reserve, housing crash, gold, trade, government debt, Europe, financial markets. Anyway, the article on this blog, the headline to this article, it says 55 facts about the debt and the U.S. government finances that every American voter should know. And I guarantee you that most Americans don't know the the information I'm going to read you. I'm only going to read a few paragraphs of this, and you can read the rest of it. I'm not going to read all 55. It says, the future of the United States of America is being systematically destroyed by our politicians, but unfortunately, most Americans don't really grasp exactly what is happening, as I just said. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, our national debt had just crossed the $1 trillion mark, and actually, our debt is so much more than that. But just recently, it crossed the $16 trillion mark. Prior to every election, politicians from both parties swear up and down that they will do something about our exploding debt, but it never happens. And it doesn't. You know, I'm just adding this um, in the in the uh, text itself, saying I'm saying that it doesn't make a difference if it's a Republican or a Democrat. Our debt is, is to continue to go up. Once again this year, our politicians are making all kinds of grand promises about getting U.S. government finances under control. But they are also promising all kinds of new plans and programs which are going to cost a lot more money on top of what we are already spending. But the average American, all this can be incredibly confusing. This is why I put together a list of facts about the debt and U.S. government finances below. These are things that every voter should know. And even if you're not a voter, I'm not a voter, but... I still should know this. (laughs) The federal government is stealing more than a trillion dollars a year from our children and our grandchildren, and they are spending that money in some of the most foolish ways that you can ever imagine. We have accumulated the largest mountain of debt in the history of the world. Let me underscore that. We have accumulated the largest mountain of debt in the history of the world, even Rome. But our politicians just can't help themselves. They appear to be absolutely addicted to spending money. If we continue on the path that we are currently on, our entire financial system and our entire economy will be destroyed by all of this debt. Time is running out. and urgent action is needed to address this crisis. Let's go back to what the Bible has predicted about our economy. Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And I'm reading this in the King James Version. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, talking about economy. Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And this is talking about inflation, folks. And then in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and we are as I'm speaking, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For family or tribe shall rise against tribe and kingdoms against kingdoms and there shall be famines which is caused by economic problems, folks, and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. In verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. So this is where we're at and this is what we need to be looking at and preparing for right now, folks. Let's not... um, Be unwise, and let's get our heads out of the sand and and pay attention to the wisdom of this following proverb. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You don't want to be in that situation, folks. Go to eFoodsDirect.com. Get you an emergency supply of food. Read Psalm 91. Do the best you can to obey the eternal God. And if you do that, he promises in Proverbs chapter 1. Let me read this. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 33. But whosoever hearkens unto me shall dwell safely, and he shall be quiet from fear of evil. This is a promise, uh, reading the whole Chapter of Proverbs would be good, but I just wanted to get to the point because we have to address the subject of this um, Bible study in a few minutes here. I was also going to go to uh, watch.org and see what's going on in Jerusalem. Need to keep, or in the Middle East. He does a very good job of doing that. I'm just going to read a couple of the headlines here. This is uh, Watch.org if you want to go along with me or come along with me. Watch.org. This is the World Watch Daily, Nick International News. Uh, headline here Lebanese Prime Minister links deadly blasts to Syria, offers to resign, so there's still violence in Syria going on in the Middle East. says Lebanese Prime Minister Nab Mikati said Saturday the explosion is linked to al Hassan's recent investigation in which he exposed an alleged plot. Uh, or alleged plot, by Syria to unleash a campaign of bombings and assassinations to sow chaos in Lebanon. And then here, another one, car, car bomb in predominantly Christian area Beirut triggers fears of serious spillover, top Lebanese intelligence official killed. So we're having a lot of issues uh, in the Middle East still. Um, there's going to be elections, it looks like, uh, soon in Israel, looks like, BB or Netanyahu, that's his uh, nickname, will be uh, reelected. So we need to continue to look at what's going on in the Middle East uh, because things will start there and end there. Okay, so let's get into the topic of this Bible study. And I was inspired to give this Bible study because someone had, uh, we were talking about the reason why Jesus died or Yeshua, that's his Hebrew name died, and and I know many people don't understand the reason why he died, folks. Uh, I know that. Uh, I've been studying the Bible for almost 30 years, and I was originally taught, like many of you that are listening to were taught, that Jesus died uh, and kept the law so we don't have to, and his shed blood will always erase our sins. We don't have to keep the law anymore. It's done away with. We were told those things and i really believed that until uh 17 or 18 years old when when uh, god um started to reveal himself to me in the weirdest of ways <laughs> and maybe i'll talk about that in more detail in another program but anyway uh to understand the reason why the messiah the christ uh, that's uh messiah in the greek why he died you have to un- we have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to the beginning and uh, that's what we're doing anyway uh, for those who are following Jewish tradition. Uh, In the Torah portion right now we're in the book of Genesis and we have to go back to the beginning to understand why Yeshua or Jesus had to die. So let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Um, I'm going to skip over. We know what happened. We know that man sinned and so forth but let's get to uh, that situation, when they sinned, what happened. And uh, let's get to this one key scripture here. So we know that Adam and Eve sinned, and what did he say, first of all? Uh, I need to, to go back to Genesis chapter 2 to, to make a point, because I don't think this is really taught In a significant way Now I want you to understand this When God created The universe And the earth It was perfect There was no death There was peace Sin entered the world Of course The devil had sinned first Alright and then of course He spread that sin to mankind In a very clever And slick way And that's recorded here. But let's focus on Genesis chapter 2 and what he told Adam. Genesis 2 verse 16. In the King James Version. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat, You shall surely die. So let's let's understand. Let's pause here. Let's use the brains that God has given us here. Now, he's telling him that if he eats of this tree, he will die. So obviously, if he did not eat of this tree, he would not die. Okay? So death was not in mankind's DNA structure at this point. So let's read this again. Let me read this again. Genesis 2, verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat there, you shall surely die. Okay? So the process of death would start with violation of what he told him to do. All right? All right, so what happened? Now, we know what happened. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. This is very important to understand. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now that not he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. All right, so let's pause again. What is God saying here? He's saying that he did not desire for Adam and Eve to take of the tree of life. Why? Well, let's read the rest of this. in Verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Verse 24. So he drove out the man and he placed And he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims or angels and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So the tree of life was cut off. Was cut off. And and obviously the tree of life represents immortality. Because he stated that if Adam would have eaten of that tree and Eve, they would have lived forever. So the tree of life is symbolic of immortality. And at this point, and still at this point, <laughs> the tree of life is blocked off. None of us have immortality, folks. All right? And there's a scripture that proves that. And, and, and I know that in, in different uh, religions, it's taught that we already have immortality. No, we do not have immortality. Immortality is having a spirit combined with a spiritual body that is incorruptible. None of us have that other than the Father and the Son. Okay? So let's understand that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. Actually let's start starting verse fifteen to get the context. And this is in the King James Version. Which in his times he shall show the blessed and only pontet, which means ruler or officer with great authority, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who only has immortality, deathlessness. And and what is death, folks? Well, hold your place in first Timothy chapter six, verse sixteen, and we're gonna to turn to James, chapter 1, for a simple definition of death. Actually, uh, James, chapter 2, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead. And let me repeat this three times so you understand what death is. James 2, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead. Again, for as the body without the Spirit, is dead. That is death. That's the Bible's definition of death. Now, in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, it states, Only Yeshua has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom no man has seen, because he became a man and, and he has immortality now. Nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. He has an incorruptible body with a spirit in it. Okay, that's that's the Bible's definition of immortality, and that's explained in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Okay, so let's get the facts straight. Number one, we understand that sent into the world uh, through Adam, uh, the devil deceiving him. And number two, we realize that death entered the world because of sin. And number three, that God did not desire for Adam and Eve to be eternally corrupted. They would have been eternally corrupted if they would have eaten of the tree of life, which was the source of immortality. All right? So let's understand that. Now let's read John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, by this Word, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Yeshua was the creator of the universe, according to these scriptures. Verse 4, in Him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Okay, and then I'm just gonna skip over to verse fourteen of John chapter one. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Alright, so this word created man. And it was deemed from the foundation of the world for him to sacrifice his life because of what Adam did. Revelation 13, verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, which proves he existed. And it was decreed that he would uh, give his life for mankind, and he willingly did this. Let me, because many people don't understand this. He didn't have to do this. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, he states this, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Verse 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. So he chose to do this. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it. This commandment have I received of my father. So he, out of his free will, decided to do this. And that's an important thing to understand about Yeshua. He didn't have to sacrifice himself, but it was decided that he do it. And he stated, hey, you know, I have power to lay it down. I can take it back. He didn't have to do this. He willingly did it because he loved mankind. And they both loved mankind, and they both decided that this is what they wanted to do, to save mankind, to save mankind. And, you know, in the, in the Torah portions, too, uh, in the Noah part, it grieved that, it grieved Yeshua and the Father that they had created man. And so they wiped out man, but uh, they decided to, of course, continue on with the plan and the plan of um, getting man to a point where mankind becomes his literal children that look like him and act like him, have his character, and and have his uh, same spiritual composition. That is the overall goal for mankind, to become like God, not be God, but like God in the sense of being his literal children. And we will be, you know, little gods or little mighty ones or aliens. (laughs) So that that is the, if you listen to the title of my program, that basically tells you the the, the potential of man to be able to, to rule the universe with the Father as the total head of all of us, including Yeshua. And we will, our goal is to, you see all those planets out there, they're not just sitting there just to be sitting out there. We're going to be creating, constantly creating, under his leadership and authority as one big happy family. And we're going to have a tremendous power and glory. That's what life is all about, folks. It's really about learning how to become a literal child of God, a son of God, like Yeshua. So anyway, that's all explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Romans chapter 8 and in Hebrews chapter 2, what our potential is as as human beings. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 3, explained that we will be judging the world and judging angels. So anyway, sin entered the world, and let's understand what sin is. Let's understand what sin is. Because a lot of people don't understand what sin is. You know, We have all these theories, but what does the Bible say that sin is? Uh, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 3, rather. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Whosoever commits sin transgress also the law, or Torah, the teachings and doctrines and laws of God. For sin is the transgression of the law. Again, let me repeat this. For sin is the transgression of the law. That's what sin is. So I hope you understand that, what sin is. And so, mankind was sentenced to death through Adam's sin. And I've already read you Genesis 3, verses 22 to 24. And let's turn to Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. So let's focus again on this tree of life. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. It states here, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. All right? And, of course, for without or away are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, uh, idolaters rather, and whoever loveth and make of alive. And I've explained last week, uh, when you compare what these two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, are indicating, these individuals are already dead or on their way to dying. They won't be outside the city Uh, being eternally uh, cursed because if you go back to Genesis that was not God's intention with Adam and Eve He, he, he blocked off the tree of life so they would not become immortal being corrupted so based on that there's no way that this scripture in verse 15 is talking about eternal corruption these individuals are dead based on Uh, careful interpretation and reading of Revelation chapter 21 and 22 and other texts of the Bible let's understand sin, curses and death will no longer exist this is proven if you read Revelation 20 verse 14 to 15 Revelation 21 4 to 5 uh, verse 8 and chapter 22 verse 3 and no night will exist on the new earth Revelation 22 verse 5 alright so we understand that immortality was blocked off from mankind. So let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 2. I'm going to try to break this down, folks, so that you understand why the Messiah had to die. All right? Romans 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for for that all have sinned. Okay? So, as I explained to you, and this is biblical proof of what I was trying to explain to you, death entered the world by one man because of sin. Sin causes death. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Okay, so let's understand that. Now, we got to understand in more detail what sin is, what what it involves, and so forth. I have 21 minutes left. I'm gonna to try to do this as quickly as I can. Um, who, yeah, I may go over too. If I do, then I do, and uh, you can listen to the program in its entirety. But I want to get these scriptures out and, and help you to understand why the Messiah had to die. James 4, in a in a, in a real simplistic way. James 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So it's only those who know what they're doing. If you know that you're not supposed to do something and you know that that is wrong, then that's sin if you do it. Okay, that's what the Bible is telling you. And if you don't know, God is not going to hold that against you. Uh, John chapter 4. Um, John chapter 9, starting in verse 41. And Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. So, again, if a Bible definition of blind in this context is not knowing that you're doing something wrong. And if you don't know what you're doing something wrong, God is a fair judge. He's not going to judge you for that. So it's not going to be considered sin. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Okay, so again, those who know better are going to be beat severely. Verse 48 of Luke chapter 12. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For whosoever much is given of him shall be required, and to him and to whom... Men have committed much of him, they will ask him more. So, again, he's a fair judge. I needed to get those scriptures out to help you to understand that he's a fair judge. Now, in James chapter 1, starting in verse 14, here's the process of sin, so you'll understand. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, When it is finished, brings forth death. This is any sin. Any infraction of the law will cause death. It will cause death. Ezekiel chapter 18, starting in verse 4. Um, Yeah, verse 4. Ezekiel 18, verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul, and that means life in this context, of the Son is mine, the soul that sin of it shall die. And this is not talking about any sins, folks. Any sin that's not repented of, that is not um, given the best effort possibly to stop doing it, will result in you dying, Okay, according to the Scriptures. John chapter 8, starting in verse 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. That's what sins cause, folks. It will cause you to die. Again, this is in red letters. In uh, John 8, verse 21, then said Jesus again unto them, I will go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. All right? So that's, that's from the Messiah, Jesus, in red letters in the King James Version. John 8 verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your own sins. So again, without Yeshua, without him, we would all die in our sins. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. So that's what you earn when you sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So a clear picture should be uh, coming to mind of the reason why he had to die. Uh, Obviously, he had to die to, to take care of wiping out the death penalty that we all deserve. We don't deserve immortal life. But he had to take the place of that, to take that punishment that is due us to be able to give us the opportunity to have immortality. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So God does not want us to serve sin. Again, that that confirms, again, that that scripture in Revelation 22, verse 15 cannot mean that he's going to allow people to sin and the new heavens and the new earth. And then uh the the verses, a couple of verses in Revelation chapter twenty one states that there will be no more curse, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And you should understand by now that that sin cause death. Alright, so in verse twelve of Romans chapter six, it states, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Sin is not going to exist in, in an immortal body, folks. <laughs> so let's understand that. First uh, John chapter 5, John chapter 5, starting in verse 16, says, If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. He shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death, I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. And many people have been confused, or some people anyway confused by it. oh yeah, there's you know I can sin and I won't uh it won't lead to death. Well I've let's understand what this is talking about and I'm using um, David Stern's commentary on this. Says sin that, that leads that does lead to death. Judaism distinguishes between unconscious sin for which sacrifices atone, and deliberate, high-handed sin for which only death atones. In the context of this letter, those who deliberately choose not to keep trusting in the person and power of God, uh, which is in verse thirteen, who do not obey God's commandments, verses two to three, and who do not love their brothers, and that's First uh, John chapter four, verse twenty-one, do not have life, which is verse twelve this uh, chapter so a believer's responsibility to a brother committing a sin is not only to ask god to give him life but also to go and show him his fault to set him right but in the spirit of humility to turn him from his wandering path so the sin that uh, does not lead to death is a sin that's repented of that has to be what this is talking about here in this context all right so let's turn to genesis chapter 4 Starting in verse six, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry? And why is thy countenance fallen? If you do well, you shall shall not. I'm sorry. In verse seven, if you do as well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, or if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. So we all. Have the capability of ruling over and conquering sin with His help. All right, so we we need to understand that. And it looks like uh, yeah, I'm gonna go over because this is an important Bible study. So, I have 13 minutes. Uh, do the best I can, but I'm gonna probably go over maybe 30 minutes. And so you're gonna have to listen to the rest of this message in, in its entirety. But anyway, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter 8, starting in um, verse 12. I'm going to read this in the New American Standard Bible version here. It says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. <laughs> so, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right? So that's that's the goal of living by the Spirit, to put putting to death the deeds of the body, the evil deeds. Verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit itself testifies of our spirit that we are the Spirit of God, and his children, heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that's what we have to do, we have to suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And I went over that last week, how we have the same or similar glorified body as Yeshua has, or Jesus. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Verse 21, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Right now the whole creation is corrupted because of sin. But... Starting with Yeshua and the sons of God, that process that will eventually wind up in a new heavens and a new earth will be begun, will begin rather when the Messiah lands his feet on the Mount of Olives with all the angels and the saints. Verse twenty-two: For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Okay, First John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Let me repeat that. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Again, in Revelation 22, verse 15, we're reading about the works of the devil. There will not be any works of the devil in the new heavens and the new earth, folks. Verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's where, when we become literally born of God, having having immortality, we're not going to be able to sin. It'll be impossible. Verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And righteousness is defined in the Bible. And Psalm 119, verse 172, is all the doctrines of God, the teachings and doctrines and laws of God. All right, so, let's continue on here. Verse 11, for this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Verse 13, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. People that truly obey God, folks, aren't well liked. I know I'm not well liked. Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. Well, I have a few that like me, but it's not that many. (laughs) Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who uh, does not love abides in depth. So if you don't love, and what is love? What's the Bible's definition of love? Romans 13, verse 10 tells you, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, that word fulfillment, and the King James Version, or fulfilling, and the King James means completion, it means performance, in other words, it's doing the commandments. Love is doing the commandments of the law or fulfilling the law by doing it. That's what love is. That is what love is. And when you don't do that, you're you you, you you're not loving God and you're not loving your neighbor. Okay, so back to 1 John chapter 3. Let's continue on with this. All right. So in verse uh, fifteen, so in verse fourteen again, it says, "We know that we have passed from death into life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death." That's what it states. Verse fifteen in the New American Standard Bible version: "Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him." Verse sixteen: We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, but whoever has his world's goods, and sees his brother in need, and does and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? It doesn't. He said, little children, let us not love with word or with the tongue, but in deed and truth. That's how we live, folks. And that's how we love. We don't love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. What is the Bible's definition of truth? Psalm 119, 142. Um, let's turn there. Psalm, hold your place here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 142. says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is true. For the Torah, the teachings and doctrines of God, is truth. And then John 17, verse 17 says, thy word is truth. As Jesus is praying to his Father, he uh, acknowledged that his Father's words is the truth. The Bible's words is the truth. And it's our Father, too, if we obey him. And then 1 John 2, starting in verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Is talking about the, the, the negative characteristics of society. Not the people. We should love the people. We should not love what they do. That causes curses upon themselves. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... And the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. This world will be passed away, and it will be a new heavens and new earth one day. And also is lust. Again, Revelation 22, verse 15. Whenever you sin, is a lust to do, to disobey God and do your own thing. That will not exist in the new heavens and new earth. It says the world is passing away, and also is lust. Which means sin. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Okay. And in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Righteousness. That is one of the major reasons why he came, is to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm going to get into detail of how, through his death, we are able to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, starting at verse 29. This summarizes the entire plan of God in one sentence. is an amazing um, sentence here. And I'm reading the New American Standard Bible Version. John 1, verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. One of the major reasons why he died, to take away the sin. But there's another reason why he died, too, and most people don't want to talk about that reason, but I'm going to talk about it today. First John chapter two, verse two. Actually, starting verse one. My little children, I am writing these things to you. You are still reading the New American Standard Bible version. I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. So he doesn't want us to sin, folks. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation, or covering, for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the entire world. All right, he's the covering for our sins. I'm trying to break this down so you'll understand it in a way perhaps you never have before. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and releases us from our sins by his blood, and for those who answer the call and listen to me and others who are teaching the Bible correctly, uh, he will make us, he says right here in verse 6, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So we will be kings and priests and rule with him in his kingdom if we overcome sin. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, and this is talking about Yeshua, starting in verse 2. And these last days have spoken to us in this, well, let me just read the first verse here so you won't get confused here. Uh, Hebrews 1, verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Verse 2, In these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, not scriptural evidence that proves that Yeshua made the world. Verse 3, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature of the Father's nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power, when He had made purification of sins. That's what the death of Yeshua did. It made purification of sins, took sins away from mankind, gave mankind the ability to purge um, themselves of uh, ourselves, rather. Because I'm certainly a man still, right? (laughs) When He had made purification of sins, that it describes the fact that mankind now can become immortal and have all sins purged. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All right, and Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Okay? And King James Version is a better translation of this, that he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to destroy, though uh, the individual has power over death, the devil. Alright, 1 John, or First John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Alright, that's another key scripture to jot down. Okay. Now we're going to get to why did he have to die on the cross. Obviously, you should be seeing that he died on the cross to take away the sins of the world, to give mankind the ability to wipe out sin from ourselves. Okay? But is that all? No, it's not. This is what... Christianity. the majority of Christianity misses uh, the other reasons why he died on the cross or why he had to die on the cross. It wasn't just to purge sins from us. Uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting in uh, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15 so that whosoever believes will in him have eternal life. Okay? So, let's understand. Yeah, sure, he he died, and I think Christianity gets this, that he died, died to purge sins from us. But what they don't understand is the rest of the reasons why he had to die. So we're going to cover that today in the remainder of this program. Verse 15, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So we're not going to have immortality unless we believe. And the next following scripture, I know most people have heard before, but the amazing thing that uh, after John 3:16 is read, none, the the rest of the scriptures underneath it is not read. And if the rest of the scriptures are read underneath it, you would understand what he's talking about as far as believing. But anyway, John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, not just the ten tribes of Israel or of all the tribes of Israel, but whoever, whatever, whoever means any human being, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, do you understand this? Let's, let's focus on this scripture, because I know this scripture is a very popular scripture, and it's quoted, but I don't think you understand Matter of fact, I know that many don't understand what he's saying here. John 3, verse 16, and this is in red letters. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that's the criteria, you have to believe in him, not just, oh, I believe that Christ existed and you continue to sin, okay? No, that believing requires obedience, as you're going to see here, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So, The antithesis or the opposite of this, if you don't believe in him, you will perish. And perish in this verse, perish in this verse means destroy, so total extinction. So if you don't believe in Yeshua, and it's not just believing he existed but continuing to sin, it means obeying those commandments as I'm going to show you here. Now, let's read the rest of this. (laughs) Let's read the rest of it. Now, it's not just John 3, verse 16. Let's read the rest of it. John 3, verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. He's talking about the first time that he came to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Because in the second time he comes, Based on Isaiah chapter 9, verse sixty-seven, he's going to be judging the world. So he's talking about his first coming. For, for God did not send the Son into the world, you might as well put it in there the first time, to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's another reason why he came, and that's why he had to die on a cross to save the entire world, not just the tribes of Israel. Verse 18, He who believes in him is not judged, he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Okay, he's going to explain to you what is meant by believing in him. If you just be patient with me and allow me to read the rest of these verses. Verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. We already read your scripture in John chapter 1 about the light coming into the world. That's the Messiah. And men love the darkness rather than they love the light For their deeds were evil. Oh, now it's talking about deeds. Things that you have to do. Oh, now we understand that it involves deeds here. Believing, right? Verse 20. For everyone who does evil hates the light, or the Messiah, and does not come to the Messiah for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Verse 21. But he who practices the truth so you have to practice something you have to do some deeds comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in god so believing in the messiah involves good righteous deeds not evil deeds but good deeds that's what believing in the messiah is all about doing good deeds and how do you good deeds how do you do uh, how do you <laughs> How do you do good deeds? By keeping his law. The law shows you how to do good deeds. You've probably never have been explained the proper way to understand these scriptures. And I have a job to do, and I have to do it, because I understand it, and I'm going to explain this to you so you will not have any excuse about understanding why the Messiah had to die on the cross. okay Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 starting in verse 13 for the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh and that's all the sacrifices did as I, i explained on many programs and I implore you, encourage you to read the article that I have just revised, Tithes and Offerings to Understand the Purpose of the Sacrifices. It was to cleanse the body, to be able to appear before God back then. and Also, the sacrifices was a catalyst for Israel to be able to learn how to give and share of their possessions with God and with the rest of mankind. Verse 14, Hebrews 9 verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's the other reason why Yeshua died, so that we can serve the living God, so that we can have our conscience cleansed from dead works to serve the living God, so we can have alive works. So we're going to have righteous deeds because, hold your place here, the Lord's brother James stated in James chapter 2, verse 26, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. You have to have faith and you have to have works to prove to God that you believe him. In verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Faith must have works. In verse 22 of James, chapter 2, you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's how Abraham believed God, and he proved he believed God by his works. hope you understand that. That has not been preached in the majority of Christianity. Getting back to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's what he's doing right now. Verse 25, nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. And in verse 26, otherwise he would not have needed to suffer. He would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And then it says in verse 27, "...and so much as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment." Verse 28, "...so Christ, also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him." Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 22. "...let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful, in verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, okay? So let's go above this here so that you understand the context of this. In verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, he's talking about the holy place in the heavenlies, by a new and living way which he has inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Verse 21 of Hebrews chapter 10, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. To love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near the day of his return. Verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, verse 27, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume. I'm going to talk about that fire too. The fury of fire which will consume the adversaries, verse 28. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, verse 29. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled upon the foot of the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So let's understand that. He died to give us the ability through the holy spirit as i'm going to show you to keep the law that's the other reason why he died to take away sins but also to give us ability to not sin through the holy spirit First john chapter 2 1 john chapter 2 starting in verse 1 again let me read this to you my little children i am writing these things to you so that you may not sin and that's why he dies, so he doesn't want us to sin anymore. Because what is sin cause? Death. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation of the covering for our sins, and not for not for ours only, but also for those of the entire world. By this we know that we have to we by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Verse four. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. What is truth? It's the entire law of God. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. In verse 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. He's talking about Yeshua. Ain't? And Yeshua kept his father's commandments. And we should keep the commandments just like he including the Sabbath and the Holy Days. Okay, so we have to understand that. Now, let's understand that he died on the cross to help us keep the Torah or the teachings and doctrines and the law of God. In John chapter 16, he explained this. John chapter 16, starting in verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Okay, and the process of him going away will, of course, involve him dying on the cross. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to help you. And this is uh, translated helper in the New American Standard Version. I I believe that's a better translation of this. Advocate, comforter, okay? And, And the New American Standard Bible Version says the helper. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away for I for I do not go away the helper when I come to help not when I come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Verse eight. And he when he comes will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, let me take a look at this word here in the word study. Yeah, um comforter that word comforter translated in the King James Version means to comfort, to encourage, to exhort. It is properly a verb referring to an aid of any kind. In the Greek writers in the Greek writers use a legal advisor, pleader, proxy, advocate, one who comes favor in behalf of as a representative of another. Okay, so this indicates that it's an aid, it's a help. So translating it help or is, is a correct translation. Yeah. Most definitely. Okay. So, the New American Standard Bible Version, John 16, verse 7, states, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, by him dying, he was able to send the Holy Spirit, not only to his disciples, but to all of mankind. Verse 8. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged, the ruler of this world is the devil, so this is an amazing story when you you, you put it all together here it starts to make sense. Okay, John chapter 14 verse 16 and 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever, verse 17. That is the this helper the Holy Spirit the power of God is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Okay? verse 26 but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you Ezekiel chapter 36 to understand what this helper will do for us Ezekiel chapter 36 starting at verse 24. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land, verse 25, this is a prophecy, that I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols, verse 26 of Ezekiel chapter 36. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh, verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. Let me look at um, King James Version, the word calls. It says to do or make, (laughs) to advance a point, to uh, prepare, provide, to perform. And it says, and it will perform you to walk in my statute; and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So the Holy Spirit will give us the ability. This is the helper, the comforter, will give us the ability to keep the commandments. That's the reason why Yeshua sure had to die. To be able to give us that Holy Spirit is is like the tree of life was blocked off, as as I showed you in Genesis. Through Yeshua's death, the Holy Spirit was allowed to flow again. The tree of life was opened again. The process of the tree of life giving immortality began again, but through Yeshua. And ultimately, if you continue to to obey, you'll receive more of that Holy Spirit. More of that Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 32. Acts 5, verse 32. And we are his witnesses of these things, and also the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them that obey him. So the more you obey him, the more you will receive that Holy Spirit. The more you will receive the Holy Spirit. So let's understand that. That's the ultimate reason why he died To give us the ability to obey him And I I really don't think many people understand that That truth Of why he had to die To start the process Of being able to eat of the tree of life Yes That's the reason why he ultimately died To reverse that problem Of having that tree of life blocked And through him Through him, we all, through the process of cleaning our minds through Yeshua, by him sending the Holy Spirit to us, we will be able to enter the New Jerusalem and eat of the tree of life in the future, which is symbolic of gaining eternal life. I hope I'm explaining it to you in a simple way in a way that uh, you understand. So, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. We've read a little bit of that. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to start in verse 11. i read this in the New American Standard Bible version here. It says, For every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Again, those sacrifices did not take away sins. Verse 12, But he... Having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Again, his sacrifice, his death, has given mankind the ability to eradicate sin through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cleanses your mind of sin so that you can, so that it will one day be impossible for you to sin when you change to the Spirit bank sat down at the right hand of God, verse 13, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet, verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So, again, that is the purpose of him dying, is to perfect humanity. Of course, there's going to be a few rotten apples, unfortunately, that's going to be thrown in the lake of fire, but I believe the majority of humanity will get it and they will be, all be perfected. As the scripture states, Hebrews 10, verse 14, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified, or set apart, or are holy. Those who, of course, you become holy by obeying the commandments. Verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after saying, This is the new covenant, or the new agreement to keep the law. It's not a new law, but a new agreement to keep the law. That's what covenant means. Verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart, and on their mind I will write them. And I just showed you how he's going to do that through the Holy Spirit. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. And that is true. Uh, the offerings that will be reinstituted as is explained in Malachi 3 verse 1 to 4 and the 8 chapters of Ezekiel uh, will be there not for sin but to remind mankind of what Yeshua had to go through and also remind people of the consequences of sin but it's not going to be offerings for sin. The offerings is is for for mankind to learn to understand what sin does. The only Offering that will cleanse sin is the Messiah's offering. And by the Messiah offering his blood, it allowed him, as I read to you in John chapter 16, to send the Holy Spirit not only to his disciples but into all of mankind. Okay? And that prophecy in Joel, um, actually in Acts, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, this is when they received the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, or actually in verse 15, Acts 2 verse 15, for, this, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, verse 16. But this is what has was spoken of through the prophet Joel, verse 17, And it shall be in the last days that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. This is what the death of Yeshua represented ultimately for the holy spirit to be poured out on all of mankind and that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my slaves, both men and women i will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy and said this is a back in the first century was a partial fulfillment of that but the ultimate fulfillment would be all of mankind having the Holy Spirit pour out on them so they can keep the commandments. The helper is going to help them obey the law. Verse 19, And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth, below blood, fire, and vapor smoke. And the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls... Everyone. It doesn't make a difference what tribe you are, whether you're a part of Israel. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and they'll have that Holy Spirit poured out on them. I hope you understand that the ultimate reason why Yeshua died is to take away sin through the Holy Spirit. By him dying, he was able to offer the Holy Spirit to all of mankind, to begin the process of eventually being able to take of the tree of life, to be able to enter into the New Jerusalem, and to eat of the tree of life. Those that overcome are promised the tree of life. At Revelation chapter two. I can find it here. Let me uh go into my Bible program here and find this scripture, but it's a key scripture to to understand. in Revelation 2 verse 7, he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give the eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, so, and in Revelation 22 verse 14, blessed are those that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. And may enter in through the gates into the city, because the tree of life enables you to live forever according to Genesis chapter 1. And see, that's important to understand. It's real important to understand. And the tree of life in Revelation chapter 22. um, It talks about the water of life here. Oh, here yeah. Here's the tree of life. Revelation 22, verse 2, In the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Um, if there's going to be any type of healing in the future, it's certainly going to be on a spiritual level. All right? and But obviously, immortal beings will be eating of the tree of life, and the tree of life symbolizes immortality. So let's understand that. Let's understand that that very significant thing to understand, that the tree of life symbolizes immortality, folks. And through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, we will be able to eat of the tree of life. So a couple of scriptures here. I just typed in a tree of life. Um, so that we can understand what all the scriptures state about it. Proverbs 3, verse 18, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retain of her. He's talking about wisdom. Wisdom, the wisdom of God is Yeshua. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Verse, Proverbs 13, verse 12, Hope to fear of, make of the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 15 verse 4 A wholesome tongue is a tree of life But perverseness there is a breach in the spirit So the tree of life Is linked with Yeshua Because without Yeshua There is no eternal life And without keeping the commandments There is no eternal life Which the tree of life symbolizes So I'm trying to explain this in a way That you'll understand in a very simplistic way, that you you can take this Bible study and and really study it more, take down all the scriptures and understand the reason, the ultimate reason why Yeshua died. You know, you, you have to understand that. You have to understand that. Because if you don't understand that, you have the incomplete message of why he came. And John 6, verse 54, it says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So you got to understand why he had to die. John 17, verse 2, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life. Or the tree of life. That they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You have to really get to know them. And how you get to know them both is by keeping the commandments. The commandments is linked to the tree of life, immortality. So you have to understand that. And so Romans 5 verse 21 states that, As sin has reigned unto death even so might grace or favor reign through righteousness into eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, you know, this, in Titus 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. And he did promise that. <laughs> but what did Adam do? He took of the knowledge of good and evil, and he, he didn't have eternal life. And in First John five verse thirteen, these things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And Jude one verse twenty, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. So th- this is what this is all about, folks. It's about reversing. The curse, the curse that causes every human being to die, to not have eternal life. And he came so that we would have eternal life. Philippians. It's a beautiful, beautiful sacrifice. And I need to appreciate it even more and and thank him every day that he did that, because he did not have to do it. And then Philippians 4, verse 13 states, I can do all things through him which strengthens me, including keeping the commandments. Keeping the commandments. Keeping the commandments. And Romans chapter 6 is is an important chapter that I want to go over here. Because you get people preaching that because we're under grace, uh, we can sin anytime we want and we don't have to try to overcome sin. Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Verse 4, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, which I've already proven to you in this program and other programs. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7, for he who has died is free from sin. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, knowing that Christ, okay, what did I Verse 9 of Romans chapter 6. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. Verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but that life, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, in verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its lusts. Verse 13. And do... Verse 13... And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 14, For sin should not be master over you, nor did I read about what he told Cain, that you must rule over sin. For you are not under the law, but under grace or favor. Verse 15, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Being under the law, saying we're not under the law, means that you're not under the curse of the law, if you obey the law. Verse 16, Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Verse 17, But thanks be to God that through you were slaves of sin. But thanks be to God that through you... I'm sorry. Getting a little tired here. (laughs) Um where are we at here? Verse 14 of Romans chapter 6. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Verse 16. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Verse 17. But thanks be to God that through that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that... Okay, where am I at here? Sorry about this. In verse 16 of Romans chapter 6, do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Verse 17 of Romans chapter 6, but thanks be to God that... Though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, verse 18, and having been freed from sin. That's what he wants to do, is free us from sin. You became slaves of righteousness. Okay, so let's understand that, that he does not, and that's the reason why he died, to give us the ability to keep the commandments, folks. I hope you truly understand that. If you don't understand that, you're going to have great difficulty. Um, with life itself more more than you should in Acts chapter 15 I just wanted to read this to you uh, verse 7 after there had been much debate Peter stood up and said to them brethren you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by, by my mouth the Gentiles would hear or the nations that's what that means would hear the word of the gospel and believe Verse 8. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Let me repeat this. He made no distinction between us and them. So all of mankind must keep the law, cleansing their hearts by faith. There's no distinction between the Jews or Israel and Gentiles are nations. They all must keep the law. That's a very significant scripture there. All right? And Isaiah, oh, let me go down to Acts chapter 13. Acts 15, verse 13. And after they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. And this is James. Uh, he wrote an epistle. The Lord's brother. Acts 15, verse 14. Simeon have related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. Verse 15. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by his name, says the Lord who makes these things known from long above. Okay? Long ago, rather. So, that is something that you need to understand, folks, that prior to the first century, the Jews just thought that in order to be saved, you had to become a Jew, or you had to become a part of Israel. Well, Yeshua said no, no. After his death, that all changed. All right? His concern is the entire world now. And that m- must be understood. God is the equal opportunity, God. And he requires everyone, everyone, to be able to have the opportunity to eat from the tree of life and to enter the new Jerusalem. So, you know, that that's the thing to understand, folks, um, that God wants to give the opportunity to all of mankind. And right here it says in Colossians 1 verse 26, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's Christ literally means the spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit. Uh, it appears that that's they're one and the same. In Romans chapter eight, in Romans chapter eight, starting, and we can start in verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse two: For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse three: For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his Son in likeness of sinful flesh. As an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Again, to get rid of sin. Verse 4 of Romans chapter 8, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit the things of the spirit. For the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind set on spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so verse 8 and those who are in the flesh cannot please God verse 9 however you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he does not belong to him so the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God appears to be the same in this scripture alright and verse 10 if Christ is in you Through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Alright, so that's a very powerful scripture. And once you become uh, immortal you will be able to eat from the tree of life. The tree of life uh, symbolizes, of course, immortality. So um, I just wanted to point out something that after his death, it was Yeshua's intention to preach the gospel to all of mankind. This is easily proven in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 starting in verse 46 not just to uh, the tribes of Israel not not just to find the lost lost tribes of Israel among the gentiles but to everyone including the gentiles acts chapter 13 verse 46 Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first these are the Jews which some of the ten tribes of Israel were they they were with them but not all of them the majority of them were lost or uh, were scattered around the world. So Acts 13, verse twenty six, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you, the Jews, since you repudiated and judged yourselves worthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Oh, since you repudiated and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles or to the rest of mankind. Uh, to uh, to the nations, that's what that means. Verse 47, So the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And that's the goal of, of Yeshua dying on the cross again, to bring salvation to the entire earth, not just to the Jews or to the nation of Israel, It's into the entire earth. Again, he's an equal opportunity God. He's not just focusing on the tribes of Israel. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as been appointed to eternal life, believe. Now, let's look at the scriptures that he quoted here, so that you understand that this is coming from the, the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you and I will point you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Okay, and this is and then Isaiah 49 verse 6. Isaiah 49 verse 6. He says, it is too is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. So he's already talking about the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved ones of Israel. And I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And I want you to understand something. Acts chapter 13 is proof that God's focus also included the rest of mankind along with uh, the lost tribes of Israel and along with the Jews. He was concerned about everyone else as well. So let's let's understand that. um, it is it is wrong scripturally to state that uh Yah is just concerned right now with just the tribes of Israel. He's concerned with everyone. He's concerned with everyone. All of mankind. Uh this scripture definitely um should put a seal on this to understand this fact here. Acts seventeen verse twelve uh, let me Acts 17, verse 23. And this is the time when Shaul, or Paul, was in Greece. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And this God, the God that I worship, is definitely an unknown God to most people in this world. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Verse 24. The God, in Acts chapter 17, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all the people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Verse 27 of Acts chapter 17. That they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Verse 28. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. So that's the ultimate goal. He wants us all to become his children. Verse 29. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and thought of man. Verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked the the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So the gospel back then was preached around the world. And in these end times, it will be again preached around the world. Not just to the 12 tribes of Israel, but to everyone. And of course, the, God will use, as outlined in Isaiah, uh, I think it's in chapter 60, uh, he will use the nation of Israel to be a light to the Gentiles. Okay? He will use and the millennium, for them to be a light to the Gentiles. But he's not waiting to the millennium to do that. He is reaching out to all nations right now. As I, This Bible study should prove that without a shadow of a doubt if you look up the Scriptures. Okay, so um, that is the Bible study here. And let's go over again what we have learned. We have learned that um, Yeshua, or Jesus, died on the cross not only to wipe out sin, but also to give us the ability to not sin through the Holy Spirit. That's why he died, to give us the opportunity for eternal life. There's one more scripture I want to quote that will sum everything up. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Actually, I'll start in in verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 in the New American Standard Bible Version. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted in us, Christ Jesus, from all eternity. Verse 10, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Again, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that involves, as I as, as I quoted you, obedience to his commandments. Obedience to his commandments. That is what's going to get us uh, into his kingdom. That will enable us to enter the New Jerusalem and eat of the tree of life, which symbolizes immortality. Uh, Notice two scriptures popped in my mind. In in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he states this, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill or to complete, to show us how to keep the commandments, to show us the proper way to do it. In verse 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, which it hasn't passed away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. And then verse 19, Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then one last scripture here. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are those... Um, let me read this in the King James. This is a better translation of this. Blessed are Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life or immortality and may enter in through the gates into the city. That's what you must do, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be able to live forever. You must keep the commandments and you must believe in Yeshua Messiah as your Lord and Savior. And if you do that, then you will be keeping the commandments because faith must have works. Uh, Like in John chapter 16, let's go over that here again. He's going to give you help. He's going to give you the ability to keep the commandments. John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Helper or the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And that's what Yeshua has done. By his death, he's been able, he is now able, or it started back then, he was able to give the Holy Spirit to those who want to obey him. To all of mankind, not just the disciples, but it began with the disciples, but but that, as proven in the book of Acts, I, I quote the scriptures to you, his purpose is to pour out his spirit upon all of mankind. And that's ultimately why Yeshua or Jesus had to die on the cross, to take away, to begin the process of covering our sins, to get the sin out, and also give us the ability not to sin through the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why Yeshua died. They give us the ability to be able to keep the law of God, first of all, to to take away the death penalty, to take away all sin. But we have to do something to complete that process. What we have to do is keep His law with His help, of course, which He provides through His Spirit, which is called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of, It's the Holy Spirit, it's the power of God enabling you to keep those commandments. So I hope I've explained this in a way that you'll understand. That I hope you understand now that Yeshua dying on the cross did not alleviate you from keeping the law. If anything, is allowing you now to be able to obey the law if you uh, agree with him to repent so that you can receive the Holy Spirit because he does not give the Holy Spirit to those who don't obey him. You have to obey the laws of God to receive the Holy Spirit. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, you'll be able to keep the law. And if you slip a few times, then, as outlined in John, First John chapter 2, because of his sacrifice, God is not going to require the death penalty from you. And he's not going to destroy you. As long as you try to the best of your ability to overcome with the Comforter's help, with the Spirit of Christ's help, you will be able to enter the kingdom of God. You'll be able to to eat of the tree of life and enter the New Jerusalem. That is the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So, may Elohim bless you and keep you, and Yah or God willing, I'll be available to you and for you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch.